0: Welcome to another episode of the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. And Mike Bishop, who I'm talking to today, he probably nearly has fallen off his bike in a few of the extreme events that he's taken part in, such as Lanzarote Ironman and Patagon Man. And you'll be hearing all about that in the interview. So this time it's not an elite athlete as such, but an age grouper who's gone from hardly being able to swim to doing these extreme events in just a matter of a couple of years. And the other great thing about Mike is that he involves his family in all he does, and they really do work together as a group, the support team and the athlete as one on these events all over the world. So it's been a lovely chat with Mike. I hope you enjoy it too. Sit back, relax or keep on running, keep on riding and enjoy my chat with Mr Mike. Bishop. Hello, yeah, it's Ron here, Ron Turning. Now, I've got to tell you this, because I know you're talking to someone who goes round the world with his bike and that, but I'm fed up with you triathletes and cyclists, or whatever you call yourselves, taking your bikes on holiday. I've just booked me holiday. They've told us it's going to happen, the summer's going to happen. So I've booked me holiday to Lanzarote like I do every year, and the flipping price are a double this year because there's a blooming Iron Man on or something. Pease me off. We get to the flipping airport. You're all there with your bikes that you don't want damaged, so it takes three times as long to check in. And then when we're sitting by the pool having a nice beer, you're spoiling the view with your poncing about and your lycra and your stupid sunglasses. Stay at home and ride your bikes. Go up to bloody Yorkshire or somewhere if you want a hill. Don't ruin our British holiday destinations. We want our nice great British holidays in Lanzarote. Not... Flipping, looking at you stupid lycra ponces. I've had enough, I'm boiling over. Here, Trace, check this out, fag, will you? Okay, so here I am on Valentine's Day afternoon. Very flattered that uh, I've got a date with Mike Bishop. Uh, unfortunately, he's married, so uh, it's just a Zoom call, unfortunately. How are you, Mike? What have you been up to? In fact, what's your evil coach had you doing this weekend? Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben and um, he's, he's had
1: me doing a, a mini duathlon yesterday and then a long run
0: today to celebrate valentine's day and did you do your mini duathlon indoors or, or did you brave those freezing winds
1: no i did it indoors because it was um it was quite a short sort of short run then a well an hour turbo and another short run so and it was a bit icy out so yeah i thought i'd just stick to the
0: treadmill and the turbo. Nice. So, because you've got quite a good home setup, haven't you? I mean, we might as well talk about that now. Actually, in fact, you've got a new addition to the home setup as of how long is it since you've had your your pool?
1: Yeah. So September. We sort of, well, we ordered one sort of in the summer. Not not really thinking the lockdown was going to happen for <laughs> still be ongoing, but just um, just for the convenience of being able to swim at home and to be able to you know train. A bit easier with a, with a static pool um so yeah got a riptide pool in september and just been using that all through the winter really when it's been quite handy with the lockdown to be able to keep swimming and normally i wouldn't be able to but yeah it's been quite interesting trying it out and seeing how to develop um, develop my swimming using that instead of the pools as i've normally been using
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see how it translates when you get back into a into a normal pool let's so say I've had one going here it's lovely warm water I must admit it's nice to get warm water this time of year rather than have to do what one of my previous guests did which was brave the river cam and at five degrees or probably be less than that now probably be minus five at the moment you should have to break the ice this weekend I think <laughs> yeah so swimming obviously is part of the triathlon and you're Doing a lot of triathlon in recent years, but how did you get into endurance sport in the first place? Tell us a bit about where you're from and where your life's taken you and how you've ended up in the vicinity of Cambridge doing endurance sport. Okay, so um, I don't have your typical
1: triathlete background, I'd say, because I've only been, I only started about four years ago. Um, before that, I couldn't even swim. So, um, I'm sure some people say I can't swim that well either. <laughs> so, but um, I used that that um, sort of excuse to learn to swim and um, to enter a triathlon. So I entered um, my first triathlon, was one in Warsaw, um, an Olympic one, where my company's based. and did.
0: Um, Can I just point dancing. out, sorry for the listeners, that was Warsaw, not Walsall in the West Midlands. Warsaw,
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> Poland. <laughs> um, with, so I entered that with some of my work colleagues and so that's where I sort of started learning to swim before I'd even um, after I'd entered so I was sort of committed to it before I started to learn to swim but anyway I started that and then my, but my first triathlon I did was a uh, so the Walnut one was a sprint one in St. Nia's with the now defunct um, Nice Tri Events company um, yeah. and the only thing I was worried about while I was doing that was if I could complete the 750 metre swim without having to be rescued because um, <laughs> I was that, that nervous about swimming but then um, but after after that, I did that. and um, I sort of got hooked with it.
0: Well, what, about, um, what about before that? though? I want to know about your youth and whether you were a sporty youth and what you used to do. Because you've lived in various places around the world, haven't you? Yeah. So, um, I've sort of never been that sort of committed as an athlete. I guess I've I've always done running, uh, but not really um, competitively or anything.
1: I'm not. I wouldn't class myself as a. Yeah. You know, elite or performance athlete, I just do it for mm-hmm. enjoyment. But I haven't very, ever really done anything structured in terms of running till recently. But yeah, so I've always always been a bit of a runner. Um, done the odd the odd events but only for fun and nothing serious. Um, and I've sort of as you say lived in different places around the world which maybe transferred around work from right from Sydney to to Jersey. I lived in Jersey for a few years. Um, and now i I'm, I'm sort of based in Cambridge where my company was and then I moved companies, my company's based in Poland, so I sort of mostly worked from home. So yeah, moved around a little bit, but not, I wouldn't say I come from a traditional sporting or um, um,
0: competitive background particularly. So when, when you were in Sydney, you didn't get the triathlon bug there amongst all those Australians <laughs> who love their triathlon.
1: No, I mean, it, and also Jersey's quite a triathlon-based comp- mm. uh, sort of, Ireland as well so yeah both those places are quite sporting and quite um quite quite into triathlon but no I didn't really particularly do anything anything special on on triathlon at all I mean as I say I've only liked to swim in the last four years so I never really did anything there so mostly just running
0: yeah Um,
1: A a bit of biking in Jersey but nothing major
0: yeah for people who don't know I mean Jersey's now um well, the Channel Islands in general have been the scene of various Power Man events and the Super League as well in recent times. So, yeah, there is a bit of a triathlon tradition there, I suppose. Um, amazing, even more, then, that in just four years you've gone from no triathlon to doing Iron Man events. And as we'll hear later on, not just any old Iron Man events either. And it uh, probably is a few years now that you've. Uh, had as I said an evil coach which is I'm not going to come clean here I've been coaching you and uh, you do like you do like to travel you do like to go to events and I'll just uh, let people know that we went to Italy for a training a very short training camp and uh, that was a, a baptism of fire there because the first thing we did was go for a an open water swim which turned out a lot rougher than I was expecting <laughs> we had to go round a headland in quite Quite wavy, choppy water, uh, which was a bit intense, let's say. And then we got back to the car and discovered the car had been broken into and your passport had been taken and all that luggage. So uh, that was a good start, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I'd say that was, that was rougher than the actual yeah. <laughs> Come back to having no passport and luckily I had and no money or wallet, but luckily I had my phone. They didn't take my phone because it was buried in the back of the boot. But,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, that wasn't a great start to the weekend. But it was still a good weekend after we'd sorted that out. Yeah, luckily we had uh, Savona Triathlon. My friends there who, um, really looked after us, didn't they, after that. Took us to the police first, lent us bikes, lent us kit and uh, got us through the rest of the weekend, really, didn't they? Yeah, no,
1: they were excellent, yeah. And it was, it was, in
0: the end, it was quite, it was quite a good weekend. But yeah. Yeah, it was a very good training weekend. So I'd say that um, your love of triathlon or your love of sport in general is really tied into events isn't it i seem to think that uh, you perhaps do more events than anyone else i know whether it's a, a park run or an iron man there aren't many weeks that go by under normal circumstances that you're not doing something is that fair to say
1: yeah pretty much i think um you know as i've been doing seriously for the last four years probably in the last three years before last uh, obviously last year in 2020 i did I did about, probably, I think about 20 events a, a year, which is pretty much every other weekend. Um, so, yeah, it was fairly full on. Um, and that's sort of the stuff I love. It's just that doing the experiences of, you know, different places and doing different events and being with the family, doing the things you know, things we're doing. So, it's um, yeah, I think that's sort of been my main draw to it and my main, I don't know if I'd say motivation, but it's the main attraction to...
0: Or focus for the training I do and, and the, the events we do. Yeah, so I mean, your aims and your goals are tied into events, usually, aren't they? So it must have been yeah. quite difficult since lockdown to keep the motivation going without these events. I mean, you said twenty events, but I'm guessing if you count park run, you've probably done more than twenty in a year, yeah. Oh yeah, park is pretty much every weekend. So.
1: Yeah. And we do a lot of tourist stuff, so we like travelling
0: around
1: to see see how many events we can
0: do. I think. We, was it you no
1: know, the year before last where we did no it was last year where we did the two on
0: New Year's Day with you yeah well, it was good few, fun quite a few together at different place as well it's,
1: um, yeah that's 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 quite fun the park it's quite it's a very very good event very good setup
0: so how are you coping without these events what are you what are you replacing it with
1: um, so yeah it's really, for me it's quite it's quite hard because I. I like a clear event goal which I'm building to and sort of training for and got focused and that really helps me focus in my training. But I I think um, the the other thing which I've been really interested in over the last four years is how far I can push myself and how far I can improve physically. Um, And that builds into a lot about what I sort of get into for the endurance stuff. But the thing I've tried to focus on more last year is that foundation for that second goal about how i can improve and push myself more Mm. versus entering events and building for those events so um you know it's keeping it very keeping it fun but setting mini goals or aims through the year to um to try and keep it keep some sort of focus and i've had a few different things last year i was doing so um did a few training running blocks to take on some pbs i think i got my 10k pb last year in the training block um, did a few virtual races which is sort of fun but they sort of lose their appeal after a while mm-hmm. and then did a few ironman efforts segments as well during the year um, and i think at the back of last year did manage to do two triathlons um, including the outlaw X, mm-hmm. um, which were fun to do and nice to be back racing but it was um it was real sort of End of the season, sort of just fitting in. It was, it was strange doing it because I hadn't been doing the racing regularly, so you know my performance sort of it was impacted because I hadn't got that sharpness, if you like. Um, so it was a bit, it was a bit of a strange year. It did feel a bit of a write-off. So I did do some stuff, but it wasn't um, wasn't how I've been doing the last two or three years in terms of events and hmm. you know the variety and the travel as well. The travel route. I mean, I've been on a plane for over a year, and as you know with work, I tend to be on a on the plane every a couple of times a month as well as when we go for events like quite regularly abroad as well so it's, um yeah it's been yeah. a strange strange old time so hopefully this year's gonna be better
0: so um, earlier on you said oh i'm not a performance athlete but everything you just said there was about missing the performance side of things uh, there's a running coach called yeah. nick anderson who's helped us out with the half marathon training in the past and uh he always says, if you want to be a better athlete tomorrow than you are today, then you're a performance athlete. And I think you definitely fall into that category. We ought to also let the listeners know that you're not a youngster in the sense that you're not in your 20s. Um, yeah. So improving and getting PBs isn't as easy as it might be for, you know, for some people who are a bit younger. Do, are you prepared to declare your age or do you want to just say well, you're slightly over 40?
1: No, I'm I'm looking forward to entering the um, the age group 50 to whatever it is 54 uh, next year. So, because <laughs> I'm sort of at the top of my age group at the moment at 49. So, I yeah. mean, it, in a way, it's 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 be- it's easier for me at this age to be doing the things I'm doing because I haven't been doing it for so long that I'm not I'm just on a decline. I'm on I'm still on an incline mm. in terms of performance improvements.
0: Because there are two things: there's athletic age and there's actual age isn't there and luckily your athletic age is still quite young which is i think is one reason why you're able to improve and still get pbs and so on
1: yeah yeah so i mean that obviously does help motivate you when you just are improving all the time um rather than just trying to maintain a level of fitness for your age but yeah i think um that that does help me that, um, i've sort of come to it quite late in terms of doing it properly and competitively
0: yeah and you're quite you're quite a, a laid back character, but you've got a brother that you like to have a bit of a challenge with, don't you? So um, every time you you beat his five k time or ten k time, you make sure it's a it's an immediate phone call to let him know, isn't it? That, that's quite a motivator as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, we, we do. I mean, I, I wouldn't
1: say I'm a hugely competitive person, but obviously. Um, family does bring it out to view a bit, and I think um, yeah, we have quite a bit of fun. Myself and my brother um, John, who's who's um, quite a good runner when he puts the training and effort in, <laughs> better than me anyway. But, he, but he's seven years younger, so I, you know that, I use that excuse quite a lot. Um, yeah. and I think at the moment, yeah, we've probably got split split um, reward, um, rewards in terms of times for different events. So he's, he's slightly faster on the five k. I'm slightly faster on the 10k and a half marathon, but I'm sure every time it'll take all the records off me <laughs> for running anyway. I'm trying to get him into Ironman, that's my key goal. Right. <laughs> he to, but he has to learn to swim first, because he's another one who can't swim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, talking of family, you've also got um, your wife, Rachel, who's uh, done events, which she does often does the park run with you, doesn't she? And she's actually getting back into fitness now and looking to do a marathon eventually, isn't she? So, uh, and, and you've got sons that, um, race as well. And in fact, when you do a sprint triathlon, you're often racing against the sun, aren't you? Which is fantastic, surely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that's been quite interesting. Cause I sort of started doing
1: the triathons and they'd all come and watch and support me, which was great. And then sort of over time, my 16 my year old son at the time got interested, um, Joel and he started, we started to have some sprint tries together for fun um, and it used to be so annoying because he would do minimal training, turn up and then he'd either win or podium in his age group which to be fair was not many were in his age groups but I'd be busting a gut you know, doing all my training and then I'd have a really good race for me and I'd end up somewhere in the mid pack in my age group <laughs> because there's so many doing it in my age group. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's been a lot of fun doing it, I mean, he's off to university now and he's probably not doing so much training as he was doing, but maybe he'll come back to it at some point. Mm. But then, yeah, my wife, Rachel, and the youngest, Noah, they've um, got more interested too in competing and they rather than just coming along and supporting. So we do, obviously, a lot of partner together when that's on, um, and they're quite into their running. So, um, yeah, if it's ever running events over the weekend or whatever we do. When we go to an event, they're they're usually involved in that. So, yeah, it's been been quite good. And now Rachel's getting into a bit of biking. So just got swimming to tick off and then I can get her into triathlon.
0: Mm. It's great to have that atmosphere in the family, though, isn't it? Which, you know, obviously training for an Ironman isn't something you can do on 20 minutes here and there, is it? So you do need the family behind you. And I don't think I've ever met a family that's so supportive as yours in the sense that they actually get the t-shirts get the banners out don't they 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 follow you in and then they support you in a very active way don't they
1: yeah especially especially the Ironman events I mean it's amazing how much you know it's obviously a big old commitment to travel to wherever we go to to do the event when we went to Chile um but I mean to me it's well, We could talk about the support experience in Chile because I think that was quite different on Patagon Man compared
0: to any other iron man yeah let let's do let's do that let's get on to the Iron man side of things then because um in terms of the Iron Man races that you've done, I've sort of categorized them as the the fast, the furnace, and the freezing, so the fast course which is Iron Man Austria, the furnace, which is Iron Man Lanzarotti, which is known for its heat and its wind, and you did it on a particularly difficult year as well um and then you did this event the patagon man which is a small event it's not iron man branded but it's got cult status now there's a ballot to get into it and uh yeah you you can describe the event in a moment and tell us how your family supported you there but let's start with the the easy iron man first iron man austria tell us what time you managed there and how that was as an experience um so so
1: Austria was my first one, the Ironman I've done, so I didn't know really what to expect. I, I was sort of, you know, when you're racing for that many hours, you don't know how your body's really going to cope with it, even if you've done all the right training. So I, I sort of was quite, I wouldn't say conservative, but held, I didn't go all out. So, uh, so it'd be quite interesting to do it again now, knowing what I know about the time period and what you go through during the day. Um, but it was a you know, great, super fast course. Um, I think I did it in about 11 hours 50, so for the first one I did, I was quite pleased with that because I just wanted to see if i could go sub-12, and the conditions were quite good for the day. Um, but even when I'd finished the, the race, I sort of felt I could, I was surprised that I wasn't completely um, annihilated in my body, and I, I felt like, I, after a I day, I know I could have gone better but I held back a lot till right near the end, because um, I thought I was just going to bonk collapse at some point. Um, so it'd be interesting to do do that again. And one of the ones I've got planned for either this year or next year is quite a fast course as well.
0: Um, is that Lake Placid so, you're talking about?
1: No, it's Chall- oh. Challenge Roth. Challenge Roth, oh, okay. Yeah, I think Lake Placid's a bit bit more technical and not so fast. I mean, I I'm not sure, but um, Challenge Roth has, I think is going to be quite a fast course. Mm. Uh, I mean I know I'm three years older now but I'm, I think it'd be quite interesting to see if I can up the, the performance in terms of be able to push harder now I know what I can cope with in, in, in my body.
0: Yeah well we've made a lot of uh, gains over the years I mean we've stopped you have, stopping for like you know a towel down and a shave in transition and we've uh, <laughs> something I shout at Mike for regularly. Um, we've We've taught you how to get more aero if not very aero and staying on the bike but i think what people need to realize is you went from someone who as you say could hardly swim to completing an iron man in under 12 hours in what are we talking about two and a half years something like that no it was like, less well, than that
1: it was about uh, 18 months
0: right it was the year before i'd learned to swim and then I did Weymouth in
1: the September and then entered the Ironman and, um, in 2018. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just that progression, I think, because I, each step I've done, I've been amazed how my body is building and adapting to what I'm putting it through. And I think, you know, I could never have jumped straight to doing what I was doing at the end of 2019 with Patrick McMahon without that building over the months and years of the, Trying to you know more credit to you really in terms of how have built to be able to do that and that's what i found fascinating is like how how much can i push myself and raise the bar and still still clear it if you like and that's step-by-step work you need to do to achieve it because you can't just go straight into the doing extreme ones and i think it's been a really good progression to do austria and you know do something do one of the easiest ironmans and do lanzarote which is one of the hardest and then do patrick which is a bit of an extreme event to see how far I can push myself and still manage to to complete these things.
0: And, of course, you didn't jump straight into Ironman Austria either. You did some shorter triathlons first. I think these days a lot of people hear about Ironman and decide to do an Ironman before they've even done a sprint triathlon, but you, you worked your way up a bit, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I've done, done probably well, lots of different sprint Olympics, and I think two or three half Ironman, Man for four, yeah, yeah.
0: And tell us that, what did the support team consist of in Austria then? So, Austria was um,
1: Rachel, my wife, and two of my sons, um, Joel and Noah. and yeah we we went out there. they had t-shirts printed the thing i I find with the the day is it's such a long time like 12 hours for a supporter Mm. and i think for me it's quite easy because i'm just competing i need to keep going i only have to think about myself everything i've sorted out myself is like you know in terms of transition bags and nutrition and all that is all under my control and i'm just doing what i'm doing and it's all sort of pre-planned and i just have to execute whereas whereas they've got to be like in a certain place at a certain time they've got to keep track of me they spend two or three hours just sitting around doing nothing waiting for me to go by and it's just especially on the bike where you just do two big loops of three hours Mm. and then um the the run's a bit better because i think it was four loops but um yeah there's a lot of dead time for them and a lot of i think they were sitting in the what do you call it? The Finnish funnel stadium thing for about two hours before I turned up, just because it was busy to get a place, and then and then I'm just through, and that's it. So it's quite a commitment, I think, that's yeah. a sport to have to be there all day and to um, follow you and keep track of you and to shout the encouraging words just briefly as you go by, but
0: yeah and send uh, send updates to coach and all the rest of it i think any anyone who's uh, who's supported at an ironman will know it's not an easy day being a supporter i mean i think i think it's a slight exaggeration to say it's easy to do the race but certainly being a supporter especially if the weather's very hot or difficult in any way it can be a very very long day for the supporter as well and uh, what were the conditions like in lanzarote then when you went to do that one
1: So, Lanzarote, we were quite lucky because it was a half turn week, but it was on a Saturday before the half turn. So, um, it meant that we had the event and then we had a a week of recovery in Lanzarote, which was quite nice. But when we turned up and just literally came out of the airport, the wind was horrendous. (laughs) I've never, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a nightmare because it was just literally trying to push um, your luggage trolley across the car park and getting blown (laughs) across. (laughs) I was just thinking this is going to be horrendous um, and, yeah it was um it was a- str- i mean the weather was lovely and sunny and hot like twenty five to thirty I think during the day, um, but it was just the wind just really me away literally um and uh, i was I just thought at the time I was just thinking I know it's a windy race, and that's why it 's tough and whatever, and so I just need to you know grip my teeth and get on with it, but it wasn't until afterwards when Yeah, i had a lot of feedback about people who've done it many times just going this is the worst they've ever done it in and it was (laughs) like um you know the worst in 13 years in terms of conditions and the problem what's strange is i was the fittest i'd ever been i think before lanzarote in terms of ironman fit even fitter than patrick man um so i felt really strong physical going to the race and my swim was great and the 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 wind somehow picked up during the day because in the morning, it was, the sea was okay. Um, I know it was quite close to the shore, and it, but it wasn't really choppy. So um, the swim was great. And just talking about the swim, what was really good I liked about that is it was a sea swim and it was close to the shore. So you could see all the, the sand and the, the fish and the water and whatever. And it had a really great, um, what do you call it? A mass start, mm. which I really loved. I mean, a lot of people don't really like those, but I just love the fact that everyone just went in at the same time and it
0: yeah. was, it's a great just, spectacle.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you, know, you do get bashed around a bit, but it's, you soon settle in and it spreads out and whatever. And you had two loops. So you come out and have a little breather and go back in and I actually did you know, probably my, my best swim I've done in Ireland. there. But, um, but yeah, but when you got on the bike and then straight away, <laughs> The first there's a straight incline and you've got the wind against you and you are me pumping like you know heavy watts for what i do and i was just thinking oh my goodness i can't keep this up <laughs> and i'm not going i'm going like 18 19 miles an hour or you know no kilometers an hour and i was just thinking i can't keep going with this but literally that was it for the whole until the last 20 30k that was it was a grind the whole time and I think the bike took me—I don't know—an hour and a half longer than I was expecting it to.
0: Mm. And I'd
1: been, and I'd been trying harder than I would have done. Well, definitely than I did in Austria, and uh, I was expecting to do. So by the time I came off the bike, I was absolutely shattered. <laughs> and that,
0: uh, just the extra hour and a half cycling, just um, meant that you. would Reserves were low, much lower than you mm. would
1: normally be going into the run. So even though the run started okay, it's sort of by about twenty six k I was like um, quite dead. So <laughs> it was a real, uh, you know, real struggle race. Um, yeah, but it was, so I probably took about an hour longer overall than I probably expected to, or maybe mm. an even an hour and a half. But it was, um, every, everyone struggled. I think from before I saw the feedback. I
0: Definitely. I mean, it has the reputation of being the hardest Iron Man out there, doesn't it? Official yeah. Man. And, uh, and your family were there as well. How did they yeah. deal with that? How did they deal with this, uh, sun shriveled, wind beaten wreck that eventually crossed the line? <laughs> so, um, it
1: was funny because the hotel was actually quite near the place. So they, they managed to go back to the hotel and they were just having sort of the relaxing, um, holiday during the day while I was out doing my seven hours of cycling, or seven off hours of cycling, whatever. Um, but what was quite good, because it was, uh, again, a, a multi-loop run, so they could see me quite a few times, and I had Joel running, videoing me and, and cheering me on. And then the finish straight, when I came down the finish straight, because um, Rachel had been waiting there for a while, she she took the microphone off the um, off the announcer and was calling <laughs> me in and saying, Mike, you're an Man and stuff, which and <laughs> was quite good. <laughs> good, um, quite good fun, but yeah. And then afterwards, we had to walk. Up, I just remember having my silver cape on and having to walk up the the hill back to the hotel. And the kids were pushing a bike, but I was just so knackered. But we were walking past these bars and there was loads of Irish bars, and they were all cheering. All these island and walking up the, and I'm, I'm moving, walking up the hill. And it was quite it was quite a funny surreal experience. But um, yeah, as I say, it was nice to afterwards to have like a few days off to relax because normally we just like to the event and then either straight back after the event or just in Australia you know, we went back 6 in the morning the day after so it was quite nice to have
0: a few days off afterwards yeah I mean this sort of combining the the race with the with a trip abroad for the family, I suppose that 's one very small way in which you 're paying the supporters back by giving them a holiday with it, um, but the timing 's quite difficult isn 't it because you want to get to there you want to get to the race in time to acclimatize to a degree and look at the course and all the rest of it. But you can only really enjoy it or relax afterwards, and you're probably going to be extremely sore while you're doing that. So timing the race and getting enough time out there to make it an enjoyable experience for those with you is quite tricky, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's like you can go somewhere where they get get a holiday out of it, it's a good incentive to get to encourage them to come and support. I think um, Lanzarote was just almost like a, a beachy holiday afterwards whereas Patekin man was very different in that we did a lot of travelling afterwards.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, we'll come on very, to that next, yeah. A different
1: country, but yeah, I mean, it is. And you definitely need to do the event at the beginning of the holiday.
0: <laughs> right, that's your tip, is it? So what do you reckon? Say you've got a week, what would you say? Say the race is on a Sunday, would you, say, arrive on the Thursday or even the Friday? Th- Thursday, ideally. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll do all the checking stuff anyway. That, um, you don't want to be too far in advance because you don't want to do too many dead days. Yeah. You're just yeah. 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 So, of course, the support went one step further in Patagon, Man, didn't it? Because the supporter is actually required, isn't it, by the race. So, can you start by telling us what that race involved, um, for those who don't know? And it's a spectacular part of the world from what I've seen. Uh, and just tell us the mechanics of how the race unfolds, including the what the role of the supporters is. Yeah,
1: okay. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say Ascomand is like part of the extreme tri-series um, and it's, I'd say it's more of an experience race um, event than a, than a race and it's very different and the, they talk about it being triathlon back to its roots because it really, the, the sport is integral part of it um, in that you have to have supporters on the race and you're not in Ironman you're all self-contained and you've all got your you know, you do all your transition bags and everything and you just set everything out for your race. Whereas on a on the Patikon man, you're reliant on your support doing everything for you and I'll explain a bit how that works. But in terms of the course itself, so it's it's in Chile, um which it is it was in this summer, so it wasn't December, the first of December which is strange in itself for training because it's well after the end of the season. You have to do a lot of training, obviously through September, October, November, when you wouldn't normally be building for a big triathlon event and the weather's not great at home or whatever. Um, and it really extends the season. And so actually, actually, when I think back to 2020 and I haven't done anything, I was quite lucky in 2019. I managed almost to have two seasons in one mm. uh, because pascal Command was right at the end of the year. But anyway, so the first thing is when they build it as the triathlon at the end of the world, it really does feel like it's the end of the world because it takes a couple of days to actually get there Mm.
0: because you have
1: to fly to Santiago, then you have to fly from Santiago to Balmocina, which is about two and a half, three hours flight from Santiago, and then you have to drive to um, Kahiki, so it's a real real trek to get there. and um, it feels very isolated and it's a very sort of underdeveloped natural part of the world compared to sort of um, what we're used to in the west in in the west so it's quite raw and natural which which is what we were sort of going for so it's quite nice Um, and the actual event itself starts from a fjord um, and it's they take a ferry out right out to sort of 2.4 miles out so you swim straight back in and the water's
0: about uh, nine degrees mm. so pretty cold um, and what time of day is this
1: so you catch the ferry at four in the morning but mm. so you have to drive about two hours to get to the ferry <laughs> so you actually leave about one in the morning to get to the place um, unless you actually stayed at the, at the ferry place but most people are driving. So, yeah, you drive, so, so this is why the support's, like, just as much, um, doing an event as you are, because they have to be up from, like, one in the morning till you get back, so it's about 24 hours, mm. uh, for the day, and they're driving the whole time. So, yeah, you get, you get, you get on the ferry, and then you dri- the ferry goes out, and then you just basically swim, starts in the dark, you swim back to the, to the ferry port,
0: um, so, what are you following? A light? Are you aiming for a light? Are you what are you aiming for if it's dark?
1: So they said um, you aim for a, there's a like a boat halfway. So you aim for a boat and you go around the boat and then you come into the ferry port. But, ba- but when you're not at the front of the pack, you're just following all the other athletes because mm. you all have like um,
0: litter boys you're carrying. Yep. Uh, so you can see these orange sort of
1: lights all the way. So you're just following them all the way through. So that's, that's quite easy. Um, and also it gets daylight through the swim. And so you're seeing these beautiful mountains on your left um,
0: as you're swimming. For those of you who want to see it, I'll put some pictures on the Facebook and Instagram pages of these, uh, the scenery there. It really is spectacular.
1: And if you, yeah, if you, if you just sort of look on YouTube for any Patagon Mountain hmm. sort of videos, it's amazing to see the progression but yeah so it's beautiful absolutely freezing um so you've got your double gloves and your boots and your your wetsuit and thermo vest and all that sort of stuff on to keep you warm but um yeah i didn't have a great swim at all so to, i think um for some reason i, I started to feel quite sick i, I think there was a lot of uh, quite a few people felt sick from the swim there's a lot of like oil, oil, oil slick or. Um, funny smells in the water, and it just didn't, just felt quite quite sicky through the swim. So it took, it took quite a while. And the longer you're in the water, the worse it is because it's so cold. A lot of people coming out with like hypothermia, and a few people had to quit after the swim. But you come out just shivering, like nothing else. It's crazy,
0: hmm. um,
1: and you sort of do a full strip down, and you.
0: I'll let you use a towel in that transition,
1: <laughs> and then. Um, Then you get dressed up in so many layers, and I was trying to shovel warm porridge, but my whole mouth was frozen, so I couldn't eat. It was just, couldn't move my mouth or talk. I was slurring away. (laughs) Um, So cold. It was just, I mean, and this is after like doing about, I don't know, two or three months pre race of um, cold water training in like ice baths and stuff. And so even with that, I was still freezing, but. Yeah, so the, for the support is like they're they're in there with you in transition. They're like you know sorting all your stuff out. They're um, getting you changed and they're making sure you're all ready and whatever. And then they do all the pack up of your transition stuff. Then they get in the car and they follow you all the way on the bike. And um, so they're stop. They I think just the first little bit and the last bit they can't stop, but anywhere else they can stop. So you're basically telling your support, I'll meet you at 40K, I'll meet you at 60K, whatever, um, where they are giving you uh, nutrition or they're um, you know, changing, because you're stripping off your clothes as the day warms up and you're not having to wear all your warm clothes and so on. Um, so, and so they're really part of that um, support on the bike, and, and it's quite
0: positive to have that as you're going through, knowing you're going to see them in the next Mm. 20k. They're going to give you a few motivational words, and you're going to be able to swap
1: your water bottles or whatever. uh, So it's quite nice. But then, yeah, so they're constantly having to drive the course. Um, And this course is sort of starts flat for the first 40k, but then it's just on a steady incline the the whole of the rest of the time because it's a point-to-point bike bike course. I can't remember how, how much incline it's got but it's it's just constantly inclining all the way until um, about the last 10K. and um, so it's quite a tough old course. Um, luckily for us, the days before it was really windy and rainy, and on the day of the event, it wasn't it, there was a bit of wind, but not as much there have been. Um, and it was quite a sunny day. so we were quite lucky with the weather. Um, but the road was atrocious in places. it was mm-hmm. like um, unsealed gravelly or just dust road and I, I, I literally a couple of times I stopped and picked up my bike and just ran over the bits because I didn't want to, I was desperate not to have a up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, bit of cyclocross yeah. thrown in. Yeah. Bit of cyclocross tactics thrown in. Yeah, there. yeah,
1: exactly. Bit um, so yeah, there's a bit where I was sort of up and doing that but it was, um, the scenery is just like so changeable, but so beautiful. I mean, that's the thing that keeps you going the whole day, It's just how amazing the, the scenery is down there. I mean, obviously, nothing nothing like it. It's sort of the best bits of everywhere. You could travel around, I don't know, New Zealand or Canada or whatever. It just, it's just um, an incredible part of the world, really. So, yeah, so it was, really, it, was, it was really hard work, really cycling. I didn't feel great all through the day, really. So it seemed in a way it didn't really matter because as I say it's an experience event mm. it's not like you're trying to get a time and the thing is you're not racing against other people you know you're all in it together because mm. it's such a, a an event that's just hard to finish um, and I think I think as I said to you at the time like when, we got, when I got to about 130k on the bike and it was still the biggest uphill was yet to come and I felt so awful, and I was actually throwing up a bit, and I didn't want to eat anything. And um, I was just like plodding along on my bike. And I, if, any other, if we hadn't travelled so far, and it wasn't this event, I probably would have quit at that point. <laughs> um, but I just kept plugging away at it, and just sipping water and whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't call it extreme triathlon for nothing, you
1: know. Yeah, exactly. it's <laughs> no
0: picnic, is it? <laughs> no. But then after all that all that cycling, and surely the run must have been easy after that. <laughs> the run's like something else. It was, um, and any time I say the run, the wife, Rachel always goes, yeah, you didn't really run much, did you?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's real cross-country. So by the time you get to the end of the, the bike, you go onto this um, cross-country off-road run, which is basically uphill for the first 20 30k um but just multi-terrain you have to go through a river so <laughs> you know, i was taking the shoes to go through that some people are just running through it but i thought i don't want wet feet for the next 30k because that's gonna be could be quite painful um so yeah you go through rivers um and it's real up and down and, and i was like sort of run walking quite a lot um and it was real slow. I mean, running is usually my, my strength and I can be that's usually where I really I mean I was I guess maybe taking quite a few people so I think other people were probably struggling a bit more than I was. Um but mm. by that point I was just concentrating on finishing like, in the time. Because yeah. I was uh, I was losing quite a lot of time, I wasn't feeling great and I was like, I just keep going, just keep going. And what's nice get again with the support piece, they don't support you so much during the run, but the supporters can run with you for the last 12k. So I sort of met up with Rachel on the last 12k and we ran the last 12k, ran walks, the last 12k together. In fact, she was doing better at running than I was. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a a bit frustrated for me because I was hoping I'd be able to run with her. Um, But yeah, it's really nice that you've got your supporter with you for that last bit and they're encouraging you through to the end. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was um, was, an then. By by the time you get to the end, uh, that's, the adrenaline kicks in and you can run down the finish straight, which is like the last kilometre, and feel like, I don't know why I felt so bad the rest of the time, because your brain sort of knows you're finishing. Yeah,
0: And then you get to ring a bell, don't you? Get to ring a bell at the end, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: got to the, I mean, I, I, did, so I did finish quite comfortably within the time at the end, but... Um, and were, it was like nearing the end of the event, but it was, yeah, it was just such a long day. And then you have to drive back home to mm. the hotel think, for another hour and a half. So by the time you get home, back to the hotel, it's like you know, one in the morning. So you've literally been on the go for 24 hours. i had the supporters. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, we were all pretty knackered after that. So
0: what was your time there, your total time?
1: 16.20, uh, I
0: think it was. Yeah. That's a long day, isn't yeah. it? Did did yeah, your yeah, son? Think... Would so who who went with you? Which sons went with you for that one?
1: Um. So Joel and Noah were uh, they supporting. And Noah had his like um, book with all the things to check every time we met and terms what I needed to do, and what I should have, and <laughs> he, was, he was a controller of everything. It was really good. Yeah. Um, but then I felt so sorry for them because basically. Rachel went to catch the bus to come and run the last 12k with me, but she went quite early because she didn't want to miss me, mm-hmm. but I was going quite slowly, so she had to wait ages mm. and they had to wait about three or four hours, I think, at the finish line <laughs> just for us to come back so it was quite a long day for them just to be hanging around um, yeah, and waiting, waiting for me to come through uh, yeah, it was, um, but I think they had quite a good holiday after that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you made up for it afterwards, didn't you?
1: Yeah, because we had quite a good bit of glacial walking and, you know, some of the, some of the places we visited are amazing in terms of scenery and, and things we could do. So, yeah, I think we made good use of it because we had um, about a week and a half
0: afterwards uh, a good holiday before we had to fly back. So. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant how triathlon and Ironman, you know, extreme, whatever, has given you the chance to sort of see these places and enjoy them in a way and experience them in a way that otherwise you probably wouldn 't have done isn 't it, but after an event like that which has drained you <laughs> um you know Lanzarote wasn 't enough patagon Patagon man has taken it all out of you in, a, in another way, but that didn 't put you off so you 're still wanting to carry on you 're still wanting to do iron man you 're still wanting to run tell us you mean you mentioned before about doing challenge rot in uh, Germany, um, what else is motivating you now, both in terms of triathlon and running, which I think is fair to say is your preferred sport of the three?
1: Yes. Well, as I was saying earlier, because like, I'm late to it, I'm still on that improvement curve, and so that's motivating for me. I, you know, In terms of, in the last three years, I've achieved more than I thought I would have done, and I still think my best achievements are ahead of me. And so that sort of motivates me to keep um keep pushing keep you know developing keep changing how i'm doing stuff to to improve so the sort of journey i've been so far has been like go harder and harder and harder i don't know in the the future whether i'll I'll, i need to keep searching for harder events to do or whether it's more.
0: please no please no yeah or whether it's more about um you
1: know, improving how, just doing varied things and improving what I do. So there's a few things I've sort of got a bit varied that I'm looking forward to doing hopefully this year. Um, I don't know whether, so the the two iron iron events I've got sort of in the, um, planned a challenge Roth and Lake Classic, but because of the delays and the timings, I'm not sure which, which one, if either, I'll be able to do this year. Hmm. Um, but hopefully I'll do one this year and one next year. So so those are a bit different ones. Obviously Lake Placid is a nice one for traveling to New York and around there. Um, and Challenge Roth is just, from what you see, is a real spectator event. Um, oh, so yeah. I really want to do that when it's opened up and it's not restricted by COVID, and so we can, you, know, it's, you really get that experience. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I just keep stretching myself, keep doing new things. I think the the thing I found, which is the drug, if you like, is that the bigger the event, or the the the, the more you train to achieve stuff, the more the feeling you get and afterglow and euphoria that um, that you get hooked on. And that's what mm. drives you to do it again. So it's funny, like you know, after. So before I did my first Ironman, man, I thought I'd be really pleased if I've done an Iron man, and then once I did it, it's like the feeling of accomplishment afterwards it doesn't mean that you think it doesn't for me it didn't mean that's it, I've done it I'm happy, it just meant I love that, and I want to experience that over and over, so you know that's why I want to do something even harder or more uh, rewarding to to get those to get that adrenaline feeling of all that euphoria afterwards, I guess yeah
0: you get satisfaction from going faster as well i mean you've you know you've had half marathon 10k pbs over the last few years you wanted to keep doing that as well is that equally motivating or not yeah i mean you know every
1: time like it's, it was strange because when i did lanzarote i was um as I say, I've, I felt the fittest I'd ever been, and if I'd done that on a fast course, I'd have been pleased that I'd done a you know fast Ironman. Hmm. And so there is there is those two elements of how much can I push myself, but also how fit can I be to do the best I can in terms of times for different events, whether yeah. it's running or triathlon. So yeah, there's def- definitely that, um, and as you know, as we often talk, uh, obviously I can do more on the swimming cause a swimming because I'm very average swimmer and I want to be able to do more on the bike and improve the biking and you always think I can do more on the bike and running seems to be a bit of my strength so I don't want to lose that I want to keep improving on that so that's why for me as long as I'm enjoying it and as long as um, I'm improving that's the motivation for me today I think and then the third bit about just doing different events and going to different places is definitely something that keeps you interested I think
0: yeah so from that then sort of a what would your advice be to some to your former self of say 3 or 4 years ago if there's someone in a similar situation who's just maybe starting triathlon or they're a runner and they're thinking of you know they're attracted by the idea of doing an ironman um what would you suggest are the main things to consider from what I've gathered from what you're saying the key is to be enjoying it um to use it as an experience to make sure you've got good support what would you say beyond that?
1: Um, yeah, I think you need to enjoy it and um, enjoy, have, you have to have some sort of focus into why you're doing it. Mm. And I think really the focus is, has, has been, as I say, twofold. One is the experiences of doing different events and enjoyment around that. And then also the um, improvement step by step. And I think the more... It varies for people, because some people, you know, I know, like, once they've done alignment, they're just happy with that, and that's fine,
0: but I think it's just that, how do you um, motivate yourself um,
1: to keep pushing um, and to keep doing new things? And for me, that step-by-step thing is a really interesting thing where I couldn't have done what I did if I tried to straight away. So, you know, don't try to do everything, but just do it step-by-step, and you'll see those improvements build over time. And um, So that you can then achieve much more than you thought you could, and that's what's quite rewarding when you look back hmm. and you'll be looking forward. In terms of, I'll keep doing that. Hopefully, so I'll keep improving, and that's what sort of is a thing that drives me. And I say, it's not the same for everybody,
0: but yeah, yeah. it's interesting because you've also become a sort of fan of the sport, haven't you? You sort of follow the professionals as well. You enjoy watching triathlon of all yeah. levels so you've, you have really got into the sport as a whole I think haven't you yeah I, I find it
1: fascinating because I, you know I'm obviously not an elite or a top age grouper but for me I often think not far off I often think have the same goals as as any elite would have which is to be the best you can be hmm. with what you have available so you know and it can be it can be your genetics it could be your the time because i've got a full-time job whereas obviously elite people don't and it could be your age that constrains you but you know whatever your constraints it's being the best you can um and that's the the goal most people have whether you're an elite or an age group or whatever so you know I, I, I still get a lot from watching elite people and what they do and what they're um, achieving and what they're trying to achieve um, and I learn a lot from that as well. So yeah, I find, I find the whole and I, this whole PTO stuff and the um, the way the triathlon seems to be going is quite an interesting development. Because I think, as someone said, you don't you don't realise how good these triathlete ath- are, people are as athletes. Because the, the fact they can do these you know, fast swims and fast bikes and, and fast runs all together, hmm. and when you're in isolation are quite impressive,
0: but to do them all together puts
1: them as real to me anyway, sort of
0: extreme athletes. Um, yeah. In field. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean but we we are more and more seeing seeing triathletes being competitive in terms of their times in the individual constituent sports, aren't we? Yes. Right, so we're, we're nearing we're nearing the end, unfortunately, time wise. But I have to ask you the uh, obligatory question. So the first one: What's your favourite training session, if you have one? <laughs> um, so I think uh, I'd say I've
1: got if I, if I take two. So yeah. one is like um, for when I'm doing both around build, but one's around when I'm building my running fitness. What I, what I really like is the one you set, which is a short sharp run interval session of 10 by 300 meters Mm. at race pace with with recovery and doing that every two minutes so it's like 300 meters and then recover up to two minutes and do that 10 times um because i like i like the short sharpness of it and you can put full-on effort and then it builds over time so you don't really recover properly and then by the 10th one it's quite a hard work i like those short sharp ones because i always feel like after i've done that that that's going to help my fitness build, so, so that's one of my favourite sessions. And then the, the the other session I really like is the in the final build before an Ironman, the one you set, which is a long bike run training session. It's about three weeks out, and it's like about I think the one we did just before Lanzarote was like 120k bike into a 26k run. Hmm. And it's not some of it's Ironman intensity, but it the fact that if that goes well, I sort of know I'm in. I'm in good shape and ready for an Ironman because it's quite a draining session and you know you've got three weeks to cover before the Ironman event but that to me is a real
0: uh, signpost in terms of if I'm okay with that and I'm
1: not quite any niggles or anything then I'm in good shape to, to be able to take on an Ironman day
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's that balancing act between doing something long enough and hard enough to give you the confidence for the event and yet not so hard as to take away from yeah. your race day fitness isn't it yeah, yeah. so uh, to be good on race day also you have to have uh, the right nutrition and you need good food so we need now your favorite recipe or food for whether it's before during or after a race or any day of the week <laughs> <laughs> this is a specific race day food my, my favorite
1: so so this year or the last 12 months i've been um, what do you call it, toying with vegetarian being a vegetarian. And, um, and I started it because I read quite a lot about it. it helps with recovery and it was also a healthy sort of lifestyle choice. So my my um, favourite recipe at the moment is a lasagna, mm-hmm. which is celeriac, chestnut and mushroom. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's quite a, it takes quite a, quite a bit of time to prep and to make, but it's, once you've done it, it feels Fairly similar to what you'd have from a normal Italian, I think, in terms of the, <laughs> the rest of the mushrooms. So yeah, that's probably one of my favourite recipes at the moment.
0: Honestly. So you make, you make that, do you? Or do you have a support yeah. crew for that as well?
1: No, no, I'm I'm a like to make
0: my own foods. So. Oh good man. Well there we go, you see. So it's not all it's not all take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Brilliant, right? Well, before we finish, then, anything else you wanted to add? I mean, we didn't mention we mentioned your family and your support crew. We didn't mention your lovely dogs that uh, accompany you on some of your easier runs. Anything else you wanted to talk about before we finish?
1: So, so the two dogs, um, Sydney and Sheldon. So Sheldon's getting a bit old now, so he's retired from running. He's eight, well, he's <laughs> eight, he's eight, he doesn't come on my, my normal runs, but my my two-year-old um, Labrador. Sydney, she she's um, a whippet, she loves running so she comes on running with whenever we're running, whether it's training or, or a faster run um, and it's really annoying last year because I was hoping she'd be, we'd have part runs because that's the best thing when you're mm. running part run with a dog, you can basically just cheat and they dra- drag you yeah. around at high speed <laughs> so um, so I'll, I'll be able to do that with us, I hopefully when they come out later this year we can go and do some fast part runs and and then I'll break my brother's um, PB with a, with a cheap part run with them with Sydney yeah. um, <laughs> but no I think we've already given shout out to my supporters um, I think it's not just um, my immediate family who support, I think it's quite a good support um, from from some of, them, some of my extended family as well, particularly my brother and, and his family, they're all very good supporters, I love the videos from Caleb one of my nephews who's always Leave me videos after I've event done events. Going, you're my hero, Uncle yeah. Mike. <laughs> so, so that's always quite good. Uh, yeah. but, and, and also you, you as well. When you turn up to my events, that's always quite good as well. Quite good <laughs> support. Yeah, so yeah, that's always much appreciated. But yeah, no, I, think we've, I think we've covered most people who, who help.
0: Nice one. And if, if people wanted to ask any questions about Patagon Man or anything else, what's the best way to find you if you don't mind people finding you and contacting you? No, if, I
1: mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook, probably the easiest way. Um, and in the, I think,
0: um, yeah, the easiest way is just to find me on Facebook, Mike Bishop. Yeah. Yep. Nice one. And they might well see you if they get back going soon. They'll probably see you at a park run somewhere. Um they can look out for you in it probably in a Patagon man t shirt or an Iron Man Lanzarote t shirt or something to give it away. Probably.
1: I, I do try and minimise my um, merchandise wearings
0: because <laughs> people get a bit especially people get a bit bored of seeing me always in my iron. Is that the only clothes you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. yes, oh well yeah. that's Wimpole great and Wimpole and that would be the one to see me at that's my favourite one. Yeah, sorry I was talking over you there. Was it Wimpole you said? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, and let's um, include Rachel and your sons, uh, Noah and Joel, in this as well. Congratulations to them on all their support. And let's hope they get PBs and all the rest of it in the near future too. And uh, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you very much indeed, Mike Bishop.
1: All right, thanks, Ben.
0: Well I hope you enjoyed that chat with Mike Bishop, a bit different in terms of how the previous interviews have been, this is somebody who's really incorporated triathlon and iron distance racing into the family and the lifestyle as a whole and I'm sure he's going to have many more years of travelling the world and racing and enjoying his sport to come. If you enjoyed it, please, 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 please get on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, follow us, rate us, join us, get in touch. Got lots more coming up very soon. Keep tuning in, subscribe, the usual things. And as I always say, keep enduring.